Hi guys, I'm the Impaired Grappler and welcome to my podcast. Today we have returning Tom Barnett for another interview. So yeah, we cover topics like learning, uh, sort of IQ versus uh, wisdom, um, sort of five questions to enlightenment, the 80-20 principle, uh, sort of homeschooling, uh, syllabus and that sort of stuff. Um, we also talk about technology, including social media and the power to be weaponized and the positives and the negatives, uh, the cult of free. Uh, the power of words and sort of the duality, especially within masculine and feminine and the left-right brain. Um, yeah, we also cover things like borax and urine therapy. So, yeah, we discussed a lot. So I hope you guys enjoy and we'll catch you on the other side. Us. Hi, guys. I'm the Impaired Grappler and welcome back to my podcast. Today we have a special guest returning. It's um, the infamous Tom Barnett, who... Um, started his own website, TomBarnett.tv. Um, so he's got a lot of his videos and interviews on there. So uh, welcome, Tom. Welcome back. Thanks, Travis. Good to see you. No worries. Um, I'll just push that one. Yeah, so I uh, just want to uh, start off on a few topics, uh, probably start off on learning and then sort of take it from there. So like just with regards to, um, so I'm interested in like, you mentioned the homeschooling program you're uh, you're developing, and yeah, I just wanted to sort of touch on that and kind of like your early learning experiences um, and what you've learned from uh, the homeschooling program. Well, the um, program's going to take a while. <laughs> like, it's a yeah. pretty big task to put together homeschooling programs. But so, what we're doing at the moment is starting out with running some basic workshops on rights for the youth so that's kind of your teenagers up to maybe early 20s and uh, getting them started on what it means to speak and communicate in a way that you're not giving your power away and to maintain that and to understand that so that's what we're working on to start with and then also I guess there'll be bits and pieces to do with health as well so how to maintain your power through your own health like how to move you know what sort of foods really work and what don't and uh you know, all the psyops that are put in place to try to remove you from your actual state of being, you know, your sense of health and, and power really that comes through just knowing how to feed yourself alone. So that's where it's going to start. And through there, we'll start to build, I guess, a, I don't know, not like necessarily a network, but just really show people what is there for the youth to be able to take on board. And, you know, that's for under 10 years of age as well. And then we'll use that to start the homeschooling program. But realistically, that's a couple of years away to put a full program in place. Yeah, of course, it's a, it's a big undertaking. You can't just do it overnight. Um, yeah, with regards to sort of like um, trying to figure out what to teach them, it's like a syllabus and like, you know, which books and what to learn. Um, yeah, it's a, uh, and getting to, to learn critical thinking skills, sort of similar to the Montessori or the um the Steiner school sort of programs but yeah I guess they may have differed a little bit from their early their early beginnings um yeah but yeah um and also sort of like well the schooling system at the moment we're basically memorizing versus um knowing and so it's like I you know I've memorized so so many things that I've forgotten over the years I've probably forgotten more science than uh most people know from studying it and all that um but yeah, I'm just following it for my whole life. But um, so it's like just trying to get the IQ versus um, 
wisdom uh, uh, ingrained into them sort of thing because like we seem to venerate IQ more than wisdom at the moment uh, like whether it's the wisdom of the elders or or whatever yeah um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's it's a completely back to front system. That's for sure. Yeah. Even in the old, you know, martial arts schools, there was always, it was always like just don't question the master, and they're invincible, and you don't spar with them, and if you do, you go super light because they're invincible, and all this sort of stuff. It's just kind of like yeah. it's not really good. It doesn't really. It's not a healthy learning environment. That's for sure. You start to learn stuff you think works and never works. That's the traditional. Not the traditional, traditional, but where it started to get, um, you know, I guess corrupted and prostituted, and then that became like a watered down version of what original martial arts were, and uh, so then that gave rise to mixed martial arts, really, because when the UFC came out in the early '90s, that was about pitting all of these, you know, martial arts against each other. Some still had validity, but a lot were you know the watered down varieties and had never tested it against somebody who's actually proficient so then that showed up the lack of you know the lack of real merit in a lot of the uh those martial arts and so mixed martial arts as we know it today is really the result of that which is a positive thing so what's coming out from the traditional uh educational systems is showing the the lack, you know, it's showing that it's false and it's a false sense of security thinking that you have any form of viable knowledge when all you've done is learn how to wrote, learn or remember something that was irrelevant in the first place. So now we're seeing other people wanting to set up more traditional learning methods. So we've gone from the way that worked, then we got the watered down educational system. And now we're going to come into the, uh, the, uh, the stuff that works, similar to we had the, the very first forms of martial arts which worked, then the watered down version, and then we got mixed martial arts as we know it today. So hopefully it'll follow the similar progression. Yeah. Um, and also, hopefully the sound's better now. I, I had the sound coming through the speakers for my, instead of my headphones, which is annoying. Um, but anyway, yeah. The, yeah, cause you've also mentioned five questions away from enlightenment. You're always um, five questions away. Can you elaborate on that? a bit and is it always just sort of why or is it um just yep. any, any question kind of thing like is there rules to that sort of no it's pretty much any question so if if people aren't familiar with what you're talking about it's essentially where if you ask why something is and you continually continue to explore it you'll end up getting past mind and past the self so if you was to say you know like the what i don't know pick a really well, what's a basic example if you want to think of like something that somebody will usually ask they would normally ask themselves then come up with their own answer and move forward they wouldn't they wouldn't ever give more contemplation to it so it might be something like uh you know i don't know why is life unfair or why do i have no money or why you know why does my back hurt or something like that so then if you ask why you could come to the first layer of answer. It might be something to do with your lifestyle. Um, oh, well, maybe I'm just sitting around too much. My back's sore because I'm sitting around too much, like slouching in, in seats all day. So then if you just go, well, that's it. Well, then you never explore it any further. But then if you say why, then you have to explore why you're sit, sitting around slouching in a seat all day. So I might be like, oh, well, I don't know. I've just got no motivation. And then you say, then you say, yeah, so why? And then, and then you start going, 
I don't know, like you really have to start exploring now. Yeah, well, it might be to do with, I don't know, some trauma that I've had or it was because I broke up with my girlfriend. And then then you got to like, why and why? And usually you're only around five questions away from actually stilling the mind and finding a sense of self-realization. And most people will never get past three, three questions of why um, before they're able to even attain some level of self-realization. So, but that question, it, like you said, it doesn't have to be why, it could be how or um, what or what if, you know, like people just go, oh no, but what if I, you know, what if I, what if I did this? You know, what if I don't, don't make rent tomorrow? And it's like, well, what if? Mm. And then you go, well, I don't know, maybe I'll lose my house. And then what? Well, then I'd, I don't know, then I'd be homeless. And then what? Well, I don't know, I might die. And they might get to that and then it's like, and then what? You know, and then your mind goes, oh, yeah, I don't know. And then when you get to the stage that you don't know, you stop having those unnecessary fears because your mind's not running stories anymore. So yeah, it's pretty powerful. I like to do that yeah. a lot, actually. Yeah, and there's also like um, detaching emotions at the right times as well. Um, knowing how to detach to not, especially for sort of empathetic people. Um, you know, most people are, fairly empathetic but yeah um it's a good thing to sort of uh detach as well um and then there's also like with regards to learning um learning from mentors and learning from nature are sort of two and like nature can be a mentor as well but like um yeah they're two important aspects of, i think that's missing from a lot of the schooling these days yeah it's yeah, nature's that. where all the lessons come from. If you mm. talk to in the indigenous, it's like they just say we just watch nature for mm. tens of thousands of years. That's how we know what we know. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, pretty simple formula. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's. Um, what are your thoughts on the eighty twenty principle as well? Like. Um, yeah, pretty valid to... actually. Yeah, I found found that it's it plays out in a lot of situations. You know, with diet, it is really what you do eighty percent of the time. Yeah. Um, and what you do, yeah, it's pretty much, I, I find it's a really valid principle. Like it's, it is a principle, so it's not a hard truth and it applies all the time, but as a generalization, I think it's pretty solid. Well, it's in nature as well, quite often. Um, yeah, if you see, but yeah, and it's like nature, business, uh, society, it's, uh, prevalent everywhere. And then, yeah. like, so, um, just want to sort of, um, move on to sort of technology like including social media and like, well, especially with regards to um, kids these days on social media. Um, and it's basically, it's like pokey technology that's in the uh, palm of your hands and it's addictive and all that. And it's sort of mm -hmm. designed to stimulate your brain in certain ways. Um, but sort of uh, social media without bringing into um, account netiquette from the start, which I learned that at university, uh, what, 20 years ago like before social media was really a thing, just on forums and uh, message boards or whatever. Um, but yeah, the, the netiquette and like these big, big social media companies haven't um, applied that and like people, they've been given this technology without instructions, if that makes sense, without yeah. knowing how to act. And then we've seen it over progression over you know, just the last few years, especially um, it's ramped up. Um, so in terms of, uh, getting away from that and, um, getting in control of that for a lot of people, especially like, uh, kids, 
uh, do you have any sort of advice or anything um, like to add to that? Because like technology can be weaponized. Words, like languages are technology, so words can be weaponized even. So if you wanna take it down that far, but like all tech can be weaponized and we shouldn't look at social media any different, especially like if it's affecting um, world, like world politics, I guess, or you know, uprisings and all this sort of stuff. Um, it needs to be, uh, well, people need to understand the, the power of it, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, there's so much you can do with it. And that's the thing. Anything that you can do a lot with, there's a lot of responsibility that comes with it. A lot of potential power from it and then a lot of potential destruction from it. So, but I think that the uh, it's designed that way to not have given people the tools to know how to use it properly. Mm. It's kind of like, it's kind of like giving crack to people. Yeah. <laughs> it's some kind of drugs and that. And it's just like, you know, they're going to abuse it. And that's the whole plan from the start that's not an accident at all so yeah it's uh, but then it comes down to the responsibility because some people use it very responsibly and uh so why you know what separates that it's it's that element of self-responsibility and becoming an adult you know only a kid needs to be told they need to put their ipad down or whatever an adult should know to use it to look up something they need to look up like an old you know you would look through the yellow pages or something you know you do it you'd use it but you wouldn't sit there flicking through the yellow pages for no reason looking for random numbers or something you just wouldn't do that you know it's yeah. a waste of time you look for exactly what you're looking for and then you put it down you put it back in the drawer and that's what an adult does with the internet and social media they look for what they're actually looking for get that part of their job done and then they move on it's put away so uh that's that's the only analogy i can really think of to give it the uh that sense of responsibility that goes with using it. So, it, I mean, it's amazing stuff. It, it really has made life simpler in a lot of ways. You know, it saved me money, for example. Like I might not mm. know if, because I haven't done it for a long time or I haven't done it at all, how to fix a certain part of the car or how to do whatever. So something that is really simple, it's mm. literally, oh, here's the little trick. You just do this with the door and the door card comes off. Or this is how to pop the, the latch here. And But before you would have had to take, to, take it to a mechanic and sometimes a mechanic can be nice and just go, oh, mate, you just have to flick this and it's done. There you go. Off. But other people are going to take advantage of that. Go, well, we'll take a look at that. That'll be $160 just to look at it. And then we'll charge you another, I know, 180 bucks. So you're like 300 and something dollars worse off when it was a really quick fix. And you could have got that from like YouTube or something. So it's got its place. And I really think it's got a really beautiful place amongst modern society. But uh, it's certainly abused by the majority of people. You know, they just don't, they let it run them. Yeah, well, it's definitely powerful and just, you know, technology and, you know, has no morality to it. So, you know, everything can be weaponized. Um, yeah, so it's, yeah, like, you know. Well, the weapon is also the individual, you know. Mm. It's that programming. It's not just that, uh, you know, the phone can be weaponized or the towers or, whatever it's the individual that's the thing we're being programmed all along the way and that's the responsibility part is being aware of that and not allowing that to happen yeah otherwise yeah you like a lot of people get into um they will hear something and they get triggered sort of thing so yeah um you know assuming that the tech tech companies or just technology has best your best interests at heart uh, it's pretty foolish <laughs> um, that's a big but, assumption <laughs> well that, yeah well that's almost how people act around 
uh, tech these days because, you know, our oh, science is good because we have smartphones, therefore everything that uh, says because science, it's like it's not an argument kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. That's not even a sentence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But it's the same. It's that child mentality, you know. That's, that's the mentality of a child to not be able to question it or to think to yourself. So that's the same question is as if like, why would the government want to do anything bad to us? Why would, you know, the law not protect us? Like why would companies make stuff that would harm us ever? You know, people don't, people think very innocently like a child because that's where they're at. Yeah. And so that's that same mindset about tech companies as well, as if they'd make something that's not really tested properly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah, social media helps cement our ideas and our ideology as well and our opinion. And um, yeah, people don't put down any, anytime they're having a negative day or, you know, it's always, oh, look at me, look at me. Um, sort of virtue mm. signaling that's pretty, uh, yeah, I, I just can't stand that. But like, what about the, uh, what positives do you see in, with regards to all that, the tech and the social media, obviously like we're connected and like there's thousands of people around the world, um, you know, watching and listening to your videos and stuff. And like a lot of other people are actually getting their message out there, um, even in this time of censorship. Uh, yeah. So like, what are your, what about the positives that you see? Yeah, that's definitely part of it. You know, I think skills have improved in general as a result, which is a weird thing because I think people are, spending less time doing the activities because they're spending more time online. But at the same time, things like jujitsu, you know, it's like how many people now have improved their game because outside of their classes, they're actually going over YouTube videos and, and uh, people showing techniques and they're like, Oh, that's epic. And it changed their mind gets opened up and they try that in the gym or music. Like when I was in school, I was probably the best guitar player in high school, but that was based on only the people around me. There was way better players, but you just weren't exposed to them. You know, and you get on YouTube and you're like, holy crap, look at that six-year-old. And, you know, like I'm 16 or 17. I was, the, these six-year-olds are way better. And had I had YouTube when I was in high school, I would have been a lot better at guitar because I would have been exposed to what's possible. Like the four-minute mile principle, you know, how the, everyone thought it was impossible and Rogers Bannister beat it. And then immediately after he did it, four more people did it because there was some mental construct of what was possible and so i think that we're able to see through social media what's really possible with especially sport music dance all the creative kind of um endeavors i think it really helps as long as people are also spending the time doing it themselves and also surrounding themselves by other people doing it <laughs> like the yeah. people that try to just go through gracie university and learn jujitsu all online and then practice with their mates that's like, you're going to, you're not going to learn as much as you would in like three classes in a real school. Mm. So there's, uh, that, yeah, that, that, there's a lot of, it still has its place though. Um, has its place. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. yeah. And so, you know, with regards to podcasts and just listening to experts in different fields talking, it's like you're getting almost direct, a direct knowledge. Like totally. From, you know, so it's, but what it's doing though, the, I, I totally agree. And it's got its place and I think people should still do it. I just think people need to also going back to that nature part you brought up mm. before is not to think that it only comes from there because the more that you just go on audible and listen to podcasts and just think you're getting all your information there, the less you'll tap into where the real information has always come from. Like there's already an internet before our electronic internet was mm into play the internet is what's already there that we tap into all the time 
So the more you're on a device or a computer listening to podcasts, it doesn't mean you cut that off, but it means that if you forget that it's there and you start thinking you'll get everything from this electronic internet, you will cut yourself off from that. So it's important to be able to still use both. Well, yeah, like my experience is definitely some kind of, uh, it's almost like creativity. It's not coming from within. It's coming, it's being downloaded. And, and that's the feeling you get when you, um, a lot of the times I get, um, it's almost like connection to the ether or, uh, and what you were saying before about the, the four minute mile, um, Rupert Sheldrake, that could be like morphic resonance as well. Like um, it's, yeah, I think as well as the psychological, I think it's on many levels. Um, but, but yeah, like talking about getting back to nature or since we last spoke, um, yeah, I've basically been in the garden, um, not, not so much the last few months in the winter, but like, you know, um, during the summer, during the lockdown, um, uh, yeah, I built it up. I grew heaps of tomatoes, more than my father this year, which was weird. And yeah, I've just learned a lot just from being in nature and just connecting and you just learn, you know, watching the thing, things grow from seed to, to basically harvest and then eating it and just how delicious it is sort of thing. Um, yeah, and that's really important and sort of, you've talked about it before, connecting to your, to your elders and like, um, to your DNA, epigenetic memory, um, you know, like whether it's mem memories handed down through the DNA or the blood or the ether or Akashic record, whatever you want to call it, or morphic resonance, um, there is something there with the memory going, transferring from generations and you, and you can tap into that. Um, yeah, by sort of almost like, I believe by just retracing your ancestors' footsteps, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think a lot of people aren't, uh, don't have the privilege of being exposed to it in a lot of cases. So that's, you know, if you don't have it, that's the element where people, I think people get cut off from their ancestors. And so they mm. assume that it's gone. But like you said, it's in your blood. Like it's still there. The memory's there. It's still imprinted. Like you might not know their names or even what country you might've even originated from. Cause some people are cut off from their lineage, like very, very much just cut right off, but it's not lost because it's still, like you said, lives on through the individual and it's in the blood. You just have to feel your own blood and you can know your ancestors that way. Yeah. So yeah, it's important. So I think like I'm sort of lucky, sort of the way I've been living almost sort of semi-retired, I guess, medical retirement almost in the last few years. So I've sort of been living a, the philosopher life, just sort of um, thinking and doing stuff and helping out and like doing whatever, but um, it's more of a free, open mind sort of thinking. And it's just like almost all this stuff just gets downloaded, but it depends on how open you are. And, um, you know, I'm not perfect and I'm, I have my own cycles of, um, you know, depression, anxiety feelings and stuff like that. And um, yeah, but it's just, yeah, I just feel it's really important to sort of link link to your ancestors through your DNA or the however you want to put it. Um, because it, 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 epigenetics, if you look, um, if you have a look at it, it's like, just shows that we can adapt to any situation and we're, you know, very adaptable to anything. And it's sort of, um, discounts it sort of um almost disproves a lot of darwinism as well so like you know, yeah with all these theories out there so um yeah and like um so, so can we um 
get back into sort of the um, the power of words and um, like for example, my like my podcast, my social media is the Impaired Grappler, and I knew from the start that that's uh, a powerful and I don't want to manifest impairments by being being that, but what you know, I want to show people that you can still do stuff with impairments and get over mm-hmm. and like still keep going and um yeah but the sort of well that's just one example like just in terms of the power of words um and and then giving power through work to, to words through fear or fear porn um could you uh, touch on that definitely so there's yeah, it's, it's funny. I was just thinking about that whole impaired grappler aspect because you're right. It's like the the thing about the words is that people will argue that all words have an inherent meaning and an inherent resonance and a value and they mean something that if you're using them unconsciously, you will be casting spells and, and everything else. And to a degree, that's true. But when you hold the conscious awareness of a word, it's my understanding anyway, I'm not saying that I'm telling the absolute truth about this but i believe that that overrides the what inherent nature there's supposed to be in a word so when you have a full understanding of the word impaired and you are using it in your conscious way you're actually bringing it about in a way that you choose and you're not casting a spell on yourself that is like it's you know like it's stopping you from doing something or it's a negative Mm. because i do when you're using it in the way that you're doing, it's because you want to show people that things are possible when they might think that they're not. So in that regard, I think the spells that we cast are conscious when we have the conscious awareness of what we're doing, Mm. as opposed to an unconscious thing that we're just being, you know, we're under somebody else's spell. So if you think about a word and then you go, well, if somebody says a word and you don't know what it is, if it had an inherent meaning, you should be able to pick that up. So if somebody said, you know, Ra means the sun, it's like, well, if that's what it means, you should be able to make that sound and inherently my biology knows to look at the sun, but that's not the case. So we make a sound and then we affix or associate a meaning with it. And then we tell people that that's the meaning. So realistically to me, I don't buy into the whole negativity of spell casting because there's, we learn it, you know, a lot of it's Mm. learned. Now, some of it does come from phonetics and it comes from the natural resonance of things. So Sanskrit, for example, is a science itself. Like the words are done in such an amazing way where it says one thing going one way and you can read it backwards as well. And it also makes sense. And it's based on like they would listen to rocks and what sound does a rock make? And then that sound translates into the language and then it becomes the word. And in that regard, that is listening to nature. That's listening to what sound does the universe make essentially and then putting that into language. But it still has to come through the filter of being a human being through an ego. So it's not the actual thing because otherwise somebody could speak in Sanskrit and then I would understand what a rock sounds like, for example, and their word for rock, I wouldn't have to translate it. You know, I would know it. I would just know. So to me, that's on that level. I think that words are given meaning. I think there's a, I came up with a quote a few years ago. I'll quote myself. (laughs) I said that nothing really means anything, but everything means something. 
So what that means is that when we make words up, they don't have an inherent meaning, but they do mean something. And so it's just finding what that is. Um, so that's the best way I can try to explain the spells. Yeah. And like with that Sanskrit, I think they did some somatic experiments on it and um, the shapes that each sound made actually looked like the letter in the alphabet, um, like had a similar, so it's like, like what you're saying, it's reson it's showing what make the sound is linked to what it is in the natural world. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it's supposed to do. So there's, but then, you know, then everything gets watered down throughout our modern history. Like it's all mm. stolen and then, Hey, people can't know that. So they change yeah. stuff. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, like so I don't really know where, where anyone <laughs> is with language, but I know that English is the worst by far. Yeah. If you speak English, it's the most controlled and spell written language on earth. It's a legal language. It's the last language developed by the legal profession. And most of what we say, we think we're saying one thing, but we're actually probably saying or meaning the complete opposite of what yeah. the real words mean. So yeah, there's that aspect to it as well. But the more ancient a language, the more intact it is. Yeah, so the, the legalese they use to entrap us because we think we're saying one thing and then it's like, oh, you're saying something else. You're admitting to guilt when you're saying not guilty, <laughs> almost. Exactly, um, yeah. Yeah. What? Um, yeah. The. What are your thoughts on the cult of free? Like, basically, because of the internet, positives and negatives. Like, a lot of people expect everything to be free online. That you know, because they're used to it through like. Yeah. Um, you know, what, what are your thoughts on that? And. Well, geez, that's a really uh, that's a really complex topic because. Uh, it's, I think it's watering a lot of things down, but at the same time, uh, this, the, so free comes from something, for, for there to be something that's free, there has to be something that's not free, as in it comes at a cost. Hmm. So there, there exists that in the natural world, but what we did was we created a monetary system which is based on arbitrary value, not inherent value, but arbitrary value. So, you know, we could sell this podcast we're doing for like $5,000 because it's an arbitrary value. It has mm. no inherent value. So we have to make up a figure. So then the opposite of the, what that leads to for there to be not free, then we can make it free. But then free means it has no value sort of thing. So we're going from an arbitrary value to essentially no value. But we're missing the part where there is an inherent value, but that's not quantifiable because that's the natural value that it has. And for one listener to another, that will be different. So the idea of free, like from with my website, for example, I'm keeping all the content for free because it's just like in this world where it's all gone this way, people aren't just going to pay for stuff because mm. they can get it for free off YouTube or whatever else. So I make it so that it's free. And then if people value it and they want to, then they donate and they can they can put in whatever is they feel it's worth to them, which is going to be different for everybody. Mm. And so I feel that I don't want to exclude people because if everybody has to pay to listen to my stuff, then that would exclude people, which it may benefit in one way or another. So without there being like, a, oh, well, I don't know, I don't want to do it, or this is better be the best thing in the world because I mm. paid five bucks for it. Yeah. Like instead of there having been something that, prejudges what it should or shouldn't be they're allowed to just take it in more freely and then even if they don't pay for it or whatever it may elicit a change which then makes them think about themselves 
and then maybe that improves the world. So in some way, shape or form, that value is still carried through. But the only reason it can be free is because of the whole money and arbitrary value system that we've created. So realistically, I think the thing that needs to happen is to go back to inherent value in things, not arbitrary value. And that's quite difficult based on how we've been indoctrinated uh, into doing things. So realistically, the way it would work for me ideally is that there would be no such thing as money. Everything would be freely available, but there would always be an exchange of value. And in the way that we would have come up in a tribe with say 80 people in our tribe, uh, you and I might do this for a few hours a day and provide some educational entertainment for people and that has value and while we're doing that someone's tending a field and while they're tending the field somebody else is is gathering food and while they're gathering food other people are cooking and while those people are cooking other people are tending to those that are sick and so within the community everybody's doing something that benefits everybody relatively equally i'd, I'd actually say completely equally hmm. so then uh that's just how things would play out. Everybody's looked after. Everybody's entertained and educated. Everybody has food. Everybody's kept healthy. Everybody has shelter. And then everybody also has time to create because we don't have to do 15 hours of entertaining and educating a day while somebody else does two hours in the field. It's based on we're not because we all work with each other, even if we're doing separate things, that everything's very efficient. And so it actually leaves a lot of time for personal development and creativity and pursuits of um, uh, improving your craft in whatever area mm. you choose. So everybody would also get together to roll with each other or make music yeah. or whatever, you know, you would all develop your skills together. Yeah. It's, um, and that doesn't require money. Yeah. It's kind of the village lifestyle, which I think it's all related to Dunbar's number, like how many relationships you can hold in your head. Things like 150 or whatever, like, um, after a, you get from a village size to like a city, it's like, it's a bit harder to live that way. Like a smaller community um, where, you know, cause I've been in Cyprus a lot and when it's time to pick the roses, it's time to pick the roses and, you know, sort of everyone gets together and you, everyone picks the roses, takes it to the factory, whatever, or gets processed. Uh, when it's time to pick the plums or the apples or whatever else, you know, it's like, it's time to do that. But every day you're doing your thing and everyone's doing their own things and like another funny thing about the the village lifestyle is when i can't remember was it 2011 i'm not sure the banks uh took everyone's money out of the bank that had over 100 grand so they just came and took took the money to pay off the debts and whatever um which was laughable but the the banks that or the there were local community banks that didn't get affected by that like the local village bank where everyone has their money in, that didn't get affected. And um, that's a way where uh, you could do community banking that's actually beneficial to the community rather than the way we see the uh, sort of the banking system at the moment. Exactly. Yeah. And that's also because it's real. It's based on an inherent natural amount of money that actually exists. It's not based on making stuff up out of thin air and, and whatever else and no gold backing it, no whatever else, no no uh, actual currency, uh, mm. no actual money. Yeah. So yeah, uh, it's a it's really a fundamental shift in, in how we operate if we were going to get away from that. But the whole thing about this free culture is that uh, it's just where things have got to because everything got saturated as well. But what it does is, is I think it devalues, it's weird. It's, it, I think at the 
present time, it's devaluing a lot of things. But I think what will happen is that it'll, like this, the movement from real martial arts to the watered down stuff to coming into mixed martial arts. And then the educational, like real education Ooh. moving into the educational system, which is the fake stuff. And it'll move into something that's real. I think that that will also happen with this culture of free mm. because everybody can put out stuff. And so it kind of, it just pollutes the airwaves, so to speak. But then who says that the airways previously were taken up by those that actually had something of value to say or to offer. So what we'll find is that it was monopolized previously. Now it's really open source and anyone can make anything and put it out for free. And what will happen with that is that um, it'll take some time, but the cream will rise to the top, so to speak. And then it'll become apparent where the true value is. And then it becomes true value again. Like mm. it, the inherent value will become known, but it'll have to go through that phase, that cycle. Yeah. Cool. Um, so do, do you know if uh, have any contacts like, or know anything about the other Commonwealth countries? Like, well, like I want to go to Cyprus, for example, um, but with regards to the law stuff being a Commonwealth country and like how, how, how do Commonwealth countries differ from uh, like even India at the moment with the issues they're having differ from just general countries in the world when you're um, applying all this stuff? It depends on who you're dealing with because even if some country is a Commonwealth country or has Commonwealth ties mm. or they're not or whatever, it's generally like how corrupt is the country? Because realistically, if you're dealing with some dude in the street with machine guns, like you'll find in India and uh, places like that, like a lot of the military, like when I was in um, Sri Lanka, I was surprised to see the banks that are mostly uh, frequented by tourists trying to exchange some, some uh, dollars into repair. And they've got like guards out the front with AK-47s. And it's kind of like shocking because it's just people enjoying the beach and uh, all touristy. And then there's dudes standing over there with machine guns. And I'm like, we don't have that in Australia. <laughs> so realistically, if you're going to be, you know, wanting to speak in, com in commercial terms and reserve your rights, it's like, I, I don't know how that's going to go when you're dealing with countries that are a lot more corrupt where, um, you know, in Bali, for example, if somebody's trying to stop you getting across a border or whatever, you might just be able to give them a packet of cigarettes mm. and a few a few hundred rupiah and they'll let you through because it's a corrupt place. But um, so, yeah, the yeah. answer is I don't know. I, I don't know anybody that's tested this sort of stuff in countries where it's like not as uh, democratic as mm. Australia, United Kingdom, America, Canada, New Zealand. Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, I just want to move on to sort of duality, um, especially with, with regards to masculine and feminine, because um, I think there's a, something missing is that there's both masculine and feminine within everyone. And it's just whatever levels and when it's uh, when each one's portrayed or when it's needed and all that sort of stuff. And like people are things getting confused, you know, and it's like venerating everything feminine, but um everything masculine is toxic but that's not true and you know we know there's there's toxic feminine there's toxic masculine there's divine feminine whatever masculine is good and bad and everything so can you talk about sort of the yin and the yang the duality of um of uh the masculinity versus femininity mm -hmm. yeah sure well it's 
as a basic principle, it's just what defines this world. This is a world of duality, but it's not, it's not us as an essence. Us as an essence is both and none of them at the same time. And so when we can enter into our own being or our own essence, that's when we can find that place of non-duality. But in the world that we operate in most of the time, that's where this world of duality is. And so that masculine and feminine principle is really just, it's not a gender thing. I, I guess most people probably know that, but it's not male or female. Masculine and feminine is just an energy. It's not, and it's a, it's a principle. It, it receives or it gives, or it's soft and it yields or it's strong or whatever. Like these are just qualities which can apply to men and women. So as far as uh, anything where there's a duality like that and an energy, there's, there creates a polarity. And anytime there's a polarity, it can be manipulated. And so these polarities are heavily manipulated in the world that we live in. And hence it can lead to things such as gender confusion because the duality has been twisted and manipulated to such a high degree. So really to, to get back to that, it's, it requires a lot more introspection and self-learning and self-knowing because you need to like really, realistically, the indoctrination is part of the duality. So when that becomes unlearned and we start to get back to our true self, then we start to get closer to that place of non-duality. And that's where, you know, the, that's where peace is. That's where everybody that goes out conquering lands, trying to find Nirvana or utopia or whatever, mm. they're actually trying to find it in themselves. That's the, that's the paradox of all the ancient texts of people trying to find these places. It's that non place of non-duality, which only exists within. So is that what you were trying to, was that what you were getting at or is there a, a um, different part of the question? Yeah. Well, like, yeah, basically masculine does not mean male, feminine does not mean female sort of thing. Um, yeah. yeah. But basically, yeah, I think, pretty much cover that yeah basically it was how to get the balance and harmony right is what i was pretty much yeah right well the balance and harmony is again it's going back to nature it's like literally watching how nature operates and the more time you spend exposed to that the better balance you'll be like you can't be i don't think you can honestly be vegan for example and be highly in touch with nature you'd you'd have to live in a city or something where you're disconnected from the source of things Hmm. and uh and same with like, you know, a lot of the gender confusion. I don't think that that can be there if you are highly attuned to nature and the natural world. It's, um, it just, it doesn't make sense. So yeah, that's the answer to pretty much everything. If you want to, if you want to like just run off 30 questions, I'll just say, yeah, nature. <laughs> that's yeah, my well, answer. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Well, um, well, my final question was like, I'll come to that now if you want, like, if this yep. basically if this interview was the last bit of recording, I don't know, maybe I'll put on a VHS and it's the last thing that's found after in you know hundred years and everything's been censored and wiped and not no one's and the only thing that's remained of you would be like say Wikipedia, some like lies or whatever. So like if you had like a just a short, <laughs> concise message you wanted to last, what would that be? Like obviously <laughs> nature's probably the answer. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, just to question everything because whatever, if that was the case, then whatever you were being told would be a lie and you should look at it, invert it and do the complete opposite of what you're being told. Or if somebody was like a psychopathic dictator who was evil to everybody and that's what you were being told about me, then maybe I would look at it to be the complete opposite and I was probably benevolent and um, not trying to control people and whatever else, you know. It's kind of the way that history and the, the system really inverts everything. 
And beyond that, it's also to question everything. And through questioning, you get to knowing. So I would question everything around us that we're told, but I would know, I would suggest to know yourself and you get to know yourself through questioning what's around you. It's not a case of always being unsure because you're, if you're always questioning, it's almost like you're always unsure, but through the ability to question everything, you actually get a knowing and that knowing is outside of knowledge. It's like a deep, it's something deep, like a seed in the earth. It just has a knowing. And so, again, it just does come back to nature. <laughs> yeah, and then, just, like, you, you can get into sort of time and, like, our perception of time and, like, you usually have your T-shirt just flow or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, like, the flow and, the like, when you're in that flow state, um, you're not, you have no, there's no time, you know. So it's like you're always, like, it's just you're in the moment and there is no past, present. It's like you're just there um, and you're just feeling. And like, well, something's coming through you sort of thing, whether it's like sport or art or whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I stick still on sort of like the duality of like with regards to the left, right brain um, and sort of creativity, because I found that like my right sides, pretty much all the joints are affected and like may, maybe you have an answer for why that could be just on the one side. Um, but the, but I think uh, using my, the opposite side of my using my left hand forcing me to activate the other side of my brain um has led to i don't know possibly more creativity or something or just a different mindset um can you uh, talk on that sure well as far as we know the right side of the brain is the creative side the left side is the analytical the right side of the body is the masculine side the left side is the feminine so sometimes when people have issues, they it's like, damn, I always injure like my left foot or my left shoulder or my left hand. It's like there's some element of the feminine that's out of balance. So it's either a lack of it or an or a over abundance of it. You know that will bring you out of balance, and then the pain or the dysfunction we we find in the physical is a representation of what's going on higher up the order of bodies: mental, emotional, um, spiritual astral etheric whatever there's plenty of bodies but that's where that's where it's coming from and it'll show up there so if it's the right side there's a there's an issue in the yang or the masculine element that's out of balance in some way so then if you were wanting to become more creative and therefore you wanted to become more right-brained would you use more of the left side of the body yeah sure it's uh it's it definitely makes sense that 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 would have a correlation uh could be a reason why they used to not like the left handies in, in schools and that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Anything that's like out of the ordinary or different, it's like got to persecute mm. that, but it could have a lot to do. I mean, the thing is like, I'm one of those people that's, that leads more to the creative side and I'm very right side dominant as well. I'm not very left. Like there's almost nothing mm. I do <laughs> that I would do predominantly with my left side. So, but uh, it's definitely like uh, developing ambidextrous and ambidextrous nature is very beneficial. And I have actually spent time trying to balance things out, you know, like specifically spending a whole day doing everything with my left side, like writing, uh, opening jars, like using a, like stirring stuff, which I would always do with my right. I would do it with my left. And, um, and I found it does have benefits. So the whole right left brain thing is a little bit of a misnomer because we're always using our whole brain. Mm, (laughs) It's not like one side operates and the other doesn't. 
um, I'm actually not sure the origin of the right left brain uh, way of thinking about creativity and, and analytics, mm. but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's valid, but it's just, we're still using the whole brain. And one of the activities that does literally fire all of the brain, like very equally is music. It's one of the few activities that does that. So if you were wanting to also become more uh, fluent throughout your whole neural networks, then engaging in some kind of musical activity is very beneficial. All right, cool. Um, yeah, and like, could you talk about sort of the, well, a couple of things, first of all, borax, and then like, um, and I guess with regards to just general supplements, but yeah, borax in particular, and then um, also urine therapy, like, um, how to do it and why kind of thing, <laughs> just for the yep. layman. Yeah, for sure. So uh, borax is the supplemental form of boron and boron's like a, uh, it's, it's just one of those elements that's lacking a ton in, um, in modern soil. It's been stripped. So it's quite difficult to get it in the diet. Um, there, are, there are a number of ways in which that's, this is what's where the fear comes from. When people say the soils are so deficient in magnesium, the soils are so deficient in boron, the soils are so deficient, and it's true. But the difference between now and what we had before is that we actually have a lot greater access to very, very nutrient-dense food. So what that means is that we could eat liver every day of the week if we wanted. Mm. Yeah, we really could. There's, there's, we're in that plentiful supply and, and our supply chains are so robust that we could do that that's not something we could do back in the day when soils were more nutritious more nutrient dense so yeah i just there's an element to that that i think people need to realize that there is a huge layer of fear that's smothered all over everything by making us think that everything is so deficient that the only way we can possibly live a normal life is through supplements and um i haven't found that to be the case in reality I see people having good successes with things like borax, with things like uh, transdermal magnesium chloride oil when they're deficient in magnesium. You know, their cramps will go away and other ailments will go away. So yeah, definitely has a result. But those people also aren't eating what I would call an exemplary diet. Yeah. So um, I don't know anybody that lives, uh, that has a very, very high quality, nutrient dense, mostly raw very well balanced through plant and animal foods, whole food and organic diet who, who need supplements. None of them do. I don't know anybody that's using a mineral supplement of any kind or uh, any kind of supplement who's on that kind of diet. Uh, because it's also not the kind of diet that was actually available to us in the past as much as it is today. Uh, having said that, is borax useful? Yeah, it is. So it's something that should be used in you know, small quantities, obviously. Uh, it's not something that should be like taken a, a whole lot of. It's really just a pinch in uh, in a you know a liter of water, or even you can even put it in food. But yeah, mostly it's safe. Mostly it's good. So before I answer the other question, did you have some some kind of experience with borax that you want to share, or is that uh, why you're no, 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 actually. Um, so I heard your interview with Owen Benjamin, and afterwards he said, "Oh, I forgot to ask him about borax." So I thought I'll just um, ask you there, yeah, because and. Well, I sort of wanted to ask you about supplements in general. I thought that would be a good way to, because like, like you said, um, if you're getting all the nutrients and everything from your diet, then you don't need supplementation. 
They're also, it's not, okay, so that's a good question actually because supplements aren't the same thing as the real thing. They're just completely separate. So first of all, with soil, you can regenerate your own soil. Once you get enough like chickens pooping in it and you get like you you uh, tend it properly, you get the pH right, you might need to put some extra stuff in it like lime or something to, to get the pH and the the alkalinity right and everything else. And But over time that will regenerate into something that has a full spectrum of the minerals and the elements that we really need. Hmm. So supplements though, if you've got borax, it's uh, is it as good as boron that's naturally occurring? It's, it's not. It's like same as anything that's taken out of its natural constituents. It becomes not the same thing. It's called reductionism. Hmm. Hmm. It's like trying to take you know, like your fingernail off of your body and trying to use the fingernail to explain your whole body. It's just not the same thing. And so when we use a singular mineral, for example, it's just not how nature works because you don't find magnesium or boron just by itself. It's, it's works in conjunction with and is bound with and by constituent counterparts, other minerals an ionic charge of some kind, an energetic that is in the soil or in the animal or in the plant. Hmm. It's just it's just not the same thing at all. So yeah, it's still useful. It is, but it doesn't replace the real thing. The only way you get the real thing is through the real thing, which is through food. And so, um, yeah. So I, I guess to shorten the, that answer is, yeah, it has value. Yes, you can take it. Yes, it'll it'll be better than not having it but it doesn't replace having a full organic whole food, natural diet, preferably eating a lot of that raw. Yeah. No worries. Um, and then your other question was what? I, uh, the, I, uh, urine ther- the, the urine therapy. Oh, urine therapy. Uh, just, yeah, yeah. We could finish on that one. <laughs> sort of the how yeah, cool. and the why. Oh, what a way to go out. Urine therapy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, all right. So urine therapy is something that's been used throughout cultures for a long time. The basic idea is that urine and blood are pretty much the same thing. It's just urine is blood without red blood cells, essentially. So that means it has the same kind of uh, properties and, and energetics as well as blood. Blood being what carries a lot of life force around the body, or not a lot of it carries life force around the body, carries nutrients, carries oxygen. And it's, uh, it's the exchange mechanism where it'll exchange nutrients and waste it'll it'll exchange ions it'll exchange uh salts it'll exchange a lot of things it'll exchange oxygen for carbon dioxide so it's it's like a, a, a transport and exchange mechanism so urine though really mirrors that in in a lot of ways and so again we're told by the mainstream that urine is a waste product uh so we should probably maybe invert that and go well is it a waste product or is it in fact a healthful aid so the reason, so I'll just stop there because then you would say, well, what about poo? Like you, you shouldn't go eating your poo because we're told it's a waste product. It is a waste product. But the urine, on the other hand, it does have such a similarity to other elements of the body. So if you look at what urine is used for externally, such as uh, an antiseptic and cleaning wounds and healing skin conditions and healing burns and all that kind of stuff, then you can go, okay, well, the same isn't true if you rubbed poo on those things, you know, it's like, it's a different thing altogether. You see the healing properties of urine. So then you go, okay, well, urine must be something that has something different in it than what we're told. Mm. So then having it orally, like drinking your own urine, that's really what urine therapy is. 
And so what's happening is you're actually getting an energetic fingerprint of what's currently going on in the body. And therefore it's like a homeopathic dose. So your body recognizes it and it knows what to do as a counterpart to help fix up things that are in the body. It also does help to regulate salts uh, like mineral salts in the body. It helps to regulate um, some of the processes in the blood and it helps to regulate some of the hormonal function. So a lot of people have cured long-term illnesses by doing urine therapy. To start with, a lot of people have this mental construct of, I just couldn't do it. I can't put that anywhere near me. The smell, the taste would be awful or whatever. And uh, I've experimented with it on and off over time. First time I tried it was because I heard that martial artists, when I was you know following a lot of traditional martial arts, they would drink a little bit of urine first thing in the morning as a pro-hormone. Uh, supplement essentially and so I tried it and then but I would mix it in with a protein shake and all the stuff that I did was bad for you back in the day protein shake with a bit of urine in it to try to mask it and it took me a while before I would um, I had the the balls to actually try urine by itself because mm. before that I would make what I would call a weemanade which is uh, making a lemonade out of squeezing lemon uh, some you know some clean water and then some raw honey mixing mm. that together which is lemonade would taste great and then adding a small amount like a homeopathic dose of urine so that I could just kind of like stomach it. And, and then one day I was just like, you know what? I know other people do this. I wonder if I'm just being a giant pussy about this. And then I thought I'm just going to do uh, just drink a cup of my own urine. And I drank it. It was actually quite pleasant. I was surprised. Cool. Definitely tasted like urine, but it wasn't bad. And cool. I also noticed that I had a feeling of, I just felt good now, I, without being able to explain it too specifically, like, oh, this part of me was way better than it was yesterday. It was just an overall feeling of something had been met, some need had been met, or realistically, a homeopathic dose of something had been given to my body, and then my body had come up with a way to come around anything that wasn't functioning to its maximum. And that really is what urine therapy is about. How much you have and how often is very varies between some people say you shouldn't let none of it go to waste i don't quite think that's accurate i know people that literally every drop they pee out they'll drink back in um that's not really how i would do it personally but hey if it you want to try it it actually won't harm you so you're welcome to if you do feel like trying this sort of stuff you know tiny amounts once a day or once every few days or not wasting any drop there's the other extreme you know you can experiment with that yourself yeah, I'll just say with regards to the uh, the feces, like I think that's completely different because from the two holes, your mouth to the back hole, that's and the stomach in between all the intestines, that's the outside world inside your body. That's that right. Connection from here to your your butt is basically the outside world. So it's like whatever's in you is from the outside, as yep. opposed to going through your blood, getting absorbed in through the lining of the stomach and all that. But yeah, that's um, right. Yeah, I was just saying that in a general sense because yeah. some people would say, oh, well, if you're inverting urine, then you'd have to invert feces. But like you said, it's yeah, a exactly. totally different system in the body, mm. way different system. <laughs> yeah, no worries. All right, cool. Thanks a lot for that. Uh, we've got a couple of minutes over time. But um, yeah, uh, uh, any last words you want to say um, before we leave? Uh, yeah, yeah. Just I guess just to really... it's we said it so much but getting back to nature is more important than ever the world is going into a literally a transhumanistic uh shift 
Mm. We're, we're getting further and further away from nature. Technology plays a big part in that. Our modern lifestyles have played a big role in getting us to where we are. And so uh, it's more important than ever to actually get back to nature and to preserve it where, where possible. You know, it's mm. important to look after it and save it where you can. And you might not, that doesn't necessarily mean going out with knives and, and swimming in the ocean and fighting off people that are trying to get blue whales and whatever. It's actually, you have more power with the dollars that you have and where they go. So just when, when you can, like really research where you, what your dollar supports because you might be surprised at where it actually leads to. And to make that answer really simple for people, the, the closer to your local economy it comes from, the better. That's, it's as simple as that. Like handmade, local, or like wild-crafted, uh, organically grown. As, if it's in your, as local as possible and as natural as possible, that's the stuff you want to support, and you'll actually be saving the world that way and preserving nature. And, uh, and, yeah. and then, yeah, hey, look, well. let me know when this is up and I'll yep. put it on yeah. my YouTube channel. I'm currently banned, but I think I get it back in about four days. <laughs> yeah, no worries. It'll probably, yeah. it might be in the next week or so. Um, yeah, we'll, yeah, sweet. Yeah, hope, yeah, I'll let you know as soon as we get it done. But, yeah, all right. Thanks a lot for that. And um, thanks, guys, and we'll catch you next time. Bruce. All righty, guys. I hope you enjoyed that podcast as much as I did. It was a really enjoyable conversation with Tom. Yeah, be sure to check out his website, uh, tombarnett.tv. Uh, be sure to hit that like, subscribe, share, and all that jazz. Uh, yeah, check out my socials as well. And yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed, and we'll catch you next time. Wuss. All right, how are you, man? Good. I like your shirt too. <laughs> yeah, thanks, man. <laughs> yeah, allegedly. Yeah, so I think that's uh, inspired by you. Yeah, right. Is it one of your own? Um, no, that's from uh, Simon Benjamin's one. Yeah, right. Yeah, so um, it seemed uh, ideal. Uh, yeah, it's cool. <laughs> all right. Uh, sweet. Um, awesome. Yeah, that, that was cool. Yeah, I wanted to ask you different questions because a lot of the people were asking a lot of the same questions. Um, a lot of yeah, that's good, topics. man. You've got, yeah. you've always got really good questions. People said that last time as well. They're like, okay. "Oh, that dude had really good questions." <laughs> uh, yeah, but I, yeah, I don't really think they're that good. But I just want to, I just yeah, whatever I'm interested in, I just want to ask and yeah, yeah, man. Hopefully, this one was the same. Yeah, last one was a bit of out of body experience. So, <laughs> um, yeah. And then when you said the negotiating, oh, negotiate time because I hadn't negotiated the time before with you, I was like, oh, shit, oh. But then, it's, yeah, I was like, oh, shit, kind of almost freaking no, out. No, it's perfect. But, yeah. It's good. No, no, this was this worked out good, I think. Um, pretty much got most of what I want to talk about, so. Yeah, well, um, we can always do other ones, you know. Yeah. It's like there's um, – yeah. it's so easy to – like you're such an easy guy to talk to mm -hmm. on that. Like you want to do one, it, you know, do them periodically. That's That's – fine for me because yeah, yeah like say you got really good questions and that too and you're asking questions that other people aren't asking like you yeah. say so i think it's really helpful for people listening as well because they get to like explore some way different things yeah yeah well that's that, that's sort of the hope so um i'm glad sort of working out that way <laughs> a bit different yeah, yeah for sure and if we catch up in person we could do like yeah. a live together or something yeah, you know? yeah for sure yeah i was hoping to get up there but 
got up to Grafton, but had to sort of turn back from there when we went up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it was a, that was a rush trip just up there, seminar straight back. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll send you an email um, afterwards and let you know. And yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Even if it's like in a week or two, it doesn't have to, you don't have to like yeah, wait. Yeah, if you've got more yeah. questions, you want to do another one, just let me know. Yeah. All right. Well, well. Um, yeah. So I probably should um, do more inter interviews on that. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I want to do a bit more, but yeah, just slowly, slowly. But, um, yeah, but again, yeah, you got to get my health up first and you know, concentrate yeah. on that and everything else. But yeah. Yeah. All right. No worries. Sure. Sweet. Awesome. All right. All right. Yeah. Let me know when That's it's up. Question. I'll share it for you as well. No problem. And yeah. All right. All right. We'll catch you. Thanks, Thanks Alice. Thanks, mate. See you, man. All right. Bye. Bye.